1: you had your daughter and you were kind of finding it hard do you think you felt a lot of shame around oh, of those feelings
2: shame and guilt literally comes out with a child <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah i mean i think it actually might be hello and
1: welcome to the feminist don't wear pink podcast based on the book feminists don't wear pink and other lies a collection of essays by 52 women on what feminism means to them I'm your host, Scarlett Curtis. I'm a writer, activist, proud feminist, and curator of our book and host of this podcast. Today's podcast is a pretty special one. Last week, I sat down with Kira Knightley in her beautiful house to talk about feminism, motherhood, films, fashion, the media, and a lot of other things. Kira has been a hero of mine for a very, very long time. As far as I can see, Kira represents a pretty unique, heartbreaking and fascinating moment in British culture. She was 17 years old when Bend Light like Beckham came out and ignited a fire in thousands of teenage girls across the country. In fact, I'm pretty sure it was the first thing that had made me actually wanna play football, something I have not done since. Uh, One year later, after Pirates of the Caribbean came out, the 18-year-old schoolgirl became the most famous woman in the world. In an era not too long ago, when female celebrities were picked apart from the bone by magazines, paparazzi and press, Kira became public property. It's an experience that would have broken most teenage girls and did break a lot of teenage girls at the time, but Kira's not your regular woman. She has emerged into adulthood as one of the most intelligent and impressive actresses and voices of her generation. And I hope that listening to this, you will be as obsessed with her as I am. When I asked Kira to write something for Feminists Don't Wear Pink, I never thought she would do it. Uh, A few weeks later she sent me a piece of writing so raw, so beautiful, so vulnerable, so powerful that I think I cried for about an hour after reading it. When our book came out Kira's piece blew up. A result of how powerful her writing is and also how insane the media storm still is around this one woman. The buzz around it was like nothing I've ever seen before and I think it gave me a tiny taste of what every single day must be like for Kira. In her piece, Kira writes about motherhood and childbirth. Kira and the Duchess of Cambridge gave birth to their first children on the same day. And after Kira's piece was published in our book, she was immediately pitted against Kate in a really horrible way. Now, if you've actually read Kira's piece in Feminist Don't Win Pink, you'll know that it's pretty much the opposite of of what she was writing about, but the way in which the media twisted Kira's raw description of birth into an attack on another woman was a really fascinating and horrible example of just how pervasive ideas of female competition still are in our society. I really loved talking to her, and I really loved talking about all of this with her, Um, and I'm sure by now you're sick of me banging on. So... I hope you enjoy this fascinating interview with the wonderful Kira Knightley. Um, okay, first question I ask everyone. Are you a feminist? Yes. Very good.
2: That was easy. One day. Yeah, that's done now. Yeah.
1: Um, when do you think you first started calling yourself a feminist?
2: Oh, um, I mean, I feel like it was very young. Um, my mum uh is a writer. And she was always, uh, she talked a lot about feminism and a lot about women's rights when I was little. So I think it's something that I always identified with. Um, I think she'd be, you know, definitely in that second wave feminist bracket. yeah. Although definitely rebelled against it equally because she liked dressing up and wearing lipstick and nice. stuff, you know. Um, so, but, but yeah, so I think I was definitely around it. And then I think for me, the major thing was probably when I was about eight or nine and realized that. We weren't meant to, girls weren't meant to play football was a huge one. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, you ended up making the <laughs> most, of, <laughs> making a big statement on that. Topic. Definitely did, yeah. Did you think you ever, I sometimes worry, like, I think if my mum had been already talked about feminism, I would have rebelled and been like, I'm not feminism. I'm not a feminist. I hate women. I
2: should imagine that many people did. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've always been super close with my mom and I think because she was very independent and she, uh, she had this very exciting life outside the home. Mm. I never wanted to rebel against her. She was very kind of liberal very cool, and very cool. So I think I was always just like, that's really interesting. And, Mm. you know, she was, she worked in the theater. She was around very so theatrical left-wing types who yes. are all kind of um I suppose feminists yeah. the women anyway um so I think I grew up with like a lot of very strong women yeah so no but I can completely see that it depends I suppose it completely depends on your relationship and yeah I think I quite seeing. liked
1: having like feminism is my thing and I'm gonna yeah, teach sure. my parents about it well that's, that's <laughs> always quite nice annoying.
2: but it's interesting generationally though isn't it because I think you know with this new wave of of it there are differences with that previous generation yeah
1: definitely and
2: suddenly the conversations I mean we don't necessarily agree on on absolutely everything no
1: and I also think in many ways it's easier for us now to yeah I mean in so well, many ways but it's easier us also just to be very vocal about it yeah um, I think it was very much I even remember when I was growing up my parents would kind of describe women as like a feminist right might not necessarily be yeah, the best thing in the world.
2: Yeah, um, I think I was only aware of that probably like early 2000s. So probably more like when I was kind of 1718. And suddenly it became like this weird, dirty word. Yeah. Um, but I think up until that point, I hadn't been really aware. Do you think that you'd have been... ever
1: talked about it publicly at the beginning? Of your career? I think
2: I actually try to. I mean, I think I, I weirdly, you know, I mean, definitely with with. It Like Beckham. Because I It Like
1: Beckham was this huge feminist film. And it was the moment that yeah. you kind of got sprung onto the world.
2: Yeah. Um, and uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes, it was. Um, and yes, it did. Um, yeah. But it was, I think even then, it's like nobody wanted to bill it like that yes you know um it was like
1: sexy football film it was
2: sexy football film it's girls in shorts you know and actually you look at it and you're like well that's kind of obvious that that's what it was but yeah exactly um but yeah I think I think I think I weirdly did and people were like oh come on don't be stupid yeah you can't be a feminist interesting
1: yeah I remember growing up all we used to watch was "Bend It Like Beckham" and the Spice World movie. Nice, both of which are like that kind of secret feminist yes. messaging. So I, I don't
2: remember the Spice. I mean, I know I saw well, it at the, the spice time. Girls are very girl feminist. power. Exactly, it's girl power. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, the be- that I truly think that was the beginning of my feminism. Um, so to "Bend It Like Beckham," you're seventeen when it comes out.
2: Seventeen when it came out, yeah.
1: And you were suddenly thrown into the public and the world. Yeah, in a way, and then particularly after pirates yeah more so
2: yeah I think pirates more so but definitely that was I mean it was a very big hit a big that one. change yeah
1: and I'm always fascinated by your career and you as a person because I think you were pulled apart in a way that no one really had been before because I think paparazzi was in a new wave and also that maybe if it happened now we wouldn't accept as much I
2: hope we wouldn't accept as much. I don't, I mean, the answer to that is I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was definitely pretty brutal because I think the attacks, I mean, like one of the, it's funny how it, when you're that age, everything just stays in your brain, probably for the rest of your yeah. life. So I can remember all of the all of the reviews. And of course you read all of the reviews because, you know, because again, you're that age and that's what you do. Yeah,
1: it's like being, getting your school report. Exactly. But in the um, public. <laughs> yeah, but you know,
2: so the reviews for, Bend It Like Beckham for me were pretty much that she's the worst actress in the entire world and you know I mean all yeah. of that which is kind of definitely very difficult to take anyway when you're 17 well, but when it's at so that public, age you're already
1: thinking you're the worst you're, no matter I mean, what Definitely thinking
2: that you're the worst yeah. yeah um so I think it was it was very 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 hard yeah. And
1: were you at all prepared for the kind of media storm and obsession with your private life and no. everything you wore and everything you did
2: and, no. and my body
1: your body <laughs> yeah. and your hair and your eyelashes yeah
2: eyebrows majorly eyebrows. <laughs> um yeah no no I wasn't in any way I mean and it, it was funny because actually so Bend It Like Beckham happened and obviously there was a lot of there was a lot of positives there were a lot of negatives as well um, but uh, but really the kind of major media attention didn't happen probably until I was about 18, mm. I think 18, 19. And that's when it really hit. And I remember it was the day after I did a version of King Arthur. And the day after the King Arthur premiere, uh, there were 10 men outside my door screaming at me and they didn't leave for about the next four years, you know. So I think that was kind of when it really, really, really changed. and that And suddenly it was all... It was all about whatever boyfriend I might yeah. have or might not have or whatever my how thin I was or how thin I wasn't or what my lips were like or had I had plastic surgery or not had plastic surgery. You know, it was all it was all kinda like that.
1: Do you think at the time was there anything in you going like, I am being objectified, this is not fair, I am being basically stalked by ten horrible men and this isn't right? Or do you think No you it did fell into it?
2: I think I fell into it and I just went, This is how it is and I think again you know I I knew how lucky I was that the career had gone so well and and also that's what the men outside my door were telling me you've asked for this and anytime there were stalking issues a lot of times with police it was this is your fault you've asked for this um or like you're public property what did you expect you know and and you and it really took me years to go wow, this is the same language that you'd use if you were sexually abusing somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, you've asked for it, you were wearing a short skirt, you've asked for it, you were walking on your own at night. You've you know, done this before. You've done this before, you're, I mean, whatever that is, you and I think, this. yeah, and that was when I was about 22, 23, where I just went, if you take these cameras away from these men, then what they're doing is harassing and stalking or a so young woman. it's
1: worse with the cameras. Well, of course. I mean, it's worse.
2: I mean, of course it is. But yeah. what's weird is publicly we go, we don't think that's that. allowed with the cameras Yeah. because they're doing a job and they're allowed to do that job and they're allowed to do, you know, whereas when you actually go, what this actually is, is a load of guys normally in their 20s and 30s screaming horrific abuse mm. at a very young woman, you know, yeah. <laughs> you suddenly go, wow, is is that? No, it's so odd
1: man? and you're not. It's not stalking when you're famous. It's not no. bullying when you're famous. It's not. No. No, it's all meant to seem normal.
2: It's, well, and you well, should be not. lucky yeah. again and grateful.
1: Did you have someone that kind of guided you through that time? How did you come to that? sort of realization I didn't really
2: I mean I had a hugely I've got a very very close family and I had a very small but very very loving group of friends Mm. and so I think it was it was majorly that and really we just didn't leave my flat you know they just went well we can't go out anymore so we'll just come we'll come to you and we'll all buy beers and we'll just do it that way you know and so I was I think I was really lucky that I had that support yeah um and that you weren't like relying on the hollywood parties i definitely it. didn't know it wasn't my it was never my thing yeah <laughs> still isn't my thing well,
1: they're, not really, parties they're well. not really
2: parties they're just to have your picture taken I know. they're just still not very you know i know um so yeah so i think i was lucky in that but no i didn't have anybody going this is how you're going to survive this <laughs> <It's> <laughs> or anything So
1: mad do you think i have found i always talk about feminism for me it's like a form of self-help because i think i went through a lot when I was a teenager, that sort of was, shouldn't have happened and happened because mm-hmm. I was a girl. And I always blamed it on myself. And I was like, it's my fault. I did something wrong. I deserved this. And when I discovered feminism, it was really the moment that I was like, oh, wait, it really helped me like pick apart that PTSD and kind of pick apart that trauma. Do you think there was an element of that for you?
2: Yeah, I think there was. I mean, I think when I was 22, I read The Female Eunuch. you know so and I think may probably actually that did kind of come into that maybe that's why I sort of started looking at it and going wait this is a really weird I'm in this really weird thing this Um, this doesn't feel quite right yeah (laughs) this doesn't feel quite right but um so so yes I think I think it is and I think still today you know you read I read a lot of the feminist essays whether it's Rebecca Solnit or whoever it might be and, and you kind of go oh I'd never thought... This is so interesting that I'd never thought about this from this point of view. Yeah. And actually, this makes complete sense of, of many of the experiences. Not necessarily all the experiences, mm. but, but you know, many of the things that I've had a problem with. It's it's very helpful to think about them from this point of view.
1: You obviously have a very like singular experience in what happened to you. But I yeah. think there's other ways that what happened to you, a lot of teenage girls feel that way in yeah. sort of being suddenly becoming this object of either sex or not sex or you know the pathway between a woman and a girl yeah. and no one never the whole world's looking at you in a different way yeah what do you wish you'd
2: known before that hit in such an extreme way um god I don't I'm, I'm still not sure I mean that it would pass <laughs> I mean, maybe um um I think that it's not your fault yeah it's that's the, the major one and that actually it's not you know, a teenage yeah. girl that suddenly gets objectified because suddenly her breasts have grown and suddenly she's sexually attractive and suddenly she's been being looked at in a completely different way. It's not your fault that the bre- your breasts have grown. It's not your fault that whatever you're wearing, somebody else finds you sexually yeah. attractive. And it's also not your fault if you're suddenly, um, you know, because I think what was going on with me was I was experiencing a lot of men's sexual anxiety that was being projected yes. at me. And I didn't understand what that was. And of course, you can't understand everybody's experience and everybody's uh, anger and anxiety, but it gets projected at you.
1: And you think it's something wrong with you. You're like, I must have done something wrong. I'm doing something wrong, wrong. exactly. To be worthy of this sort of rage. Yeah.
2: Um, But I think, again, you know, with the number of... Girls, women who are sexually assaulted, which is—I mean, I know it's meant to be is it meant to be one in three or something, one but in three, yeah, I mean, it's every single woman that I know yeah. has been in some way at some point, and everybody thinks it's their fault. Yeah. Was I walking at the wrong place? Was I doing the wrong thing? Was I standing in the wrong place? Or did I look at him and I didn't realize? You know, all and of that. And it's so
1: funny the sympathy we can have for others, but then when when people tell you their story, they always go oh but I was doing this I should have and, done oh it probably wasn't as big a deal as I've yeah, it was, I have thought Yeah, but I think
2: and... that's still that's cultural cultural as well because I think you know even when you look at you look at the me too movement and you look mm. at oh sorry the second part of the me too movement and you look at the kind of um the Harvey Weinstein scandal it's still the women that are going to fix it yeah always so so you're kind always. of like okay I mean it's kind of the same thing as okay, so we just shouldn't be wearing short skirts and we shouldn't be walking down the street at a certain time of night. And you sort of go, well, okay, that's not, we actually don't have the power to fix this completely. We can come together and we can make a noise and we can try and push things through legally and we can, you know, we can, we can unite. But ultimately you have to have the other side.
1: Completely. And I'm also very sick of us relying on women sharing the most traumatic moments of their lives in order to make people realize it's like why can't do you really need me to tell you this the hardest story of my life in order for you to care about this like why can't you just care about it without that story yeah
2: yeah I mean I can I completely agree I don't think people should share things that they don't want to share I don't think that they should feel that they have to but I equally that's where sort of I come down on the cultural side of it which is that our stories aren't told from our point of view enough yes and that's where I think uh, art and film and television being told through female writers, female oh, directors, is and actually I think very it's helpful.
1: different when it's an official storytelling medium. No, I just absolutely. more mean like no. I've been in so many fights with men where they deny something, and then you have to sort of you have to actually open yourself, yourself out in order for yeah. them to believe you, and yeah. you're like, you just should believe me.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: has the Me Too movement changed? How has it kind of filled in your perceptions of the industry you're in? over the last few
2: years i think it just laid it bare um because again i think you know although you talk we talk about sort of hollywood as being this big kind of i don't know like mount olympus and everybody's in it together and everybody yeah. talks and everybody's mates in this magic so it it actually isn't that you know it's like i've met quite a few people who've always been very nice but i don't know them You're not you know with them, and yeah. certainly not to have very intimate discussions of exactly <laughs> what <laughs> exactly what people's yeah. experiences have been you know um so no, I that's think, a really
1: good point. I think everyone assumes everyone's best friends, but uh, everyone's just and,
2: not. And also everyone assumes that everyone else in the same way as before, everyone else is dealing with it fine. Yes. And it's just me that's having this problem. Yes. And it's just me that's finding communication difficult. And it's just me that, you know, you, yeah. you, again, you do that, blaming yourself, partly because I think that's the only way that you can kind of take control of it is going, it must be something I'm doing wrong and I'll try yes. and fix it and then it'll be and all I'll, right. I'll
1: change. It's instead yeah. of just going, Oh, well the
2: whole world is fucked world and I'm not, not going to be able to yeah, do it. Yeah, exactly. Anything. And I can't do anything about it, which is kind of a depressing thought. Yeah. But I think what was what what was extraordinary, one of the many extraordinary things, was sort of looking at it in a very kind of, you know, the lights were fully on and going, mm. actually this is something that is so completely across the board, and again, not just in Hollywood, but in in every single industry mm. and and in every single different walk of life. Um. So I think that was an extraordinary moment. Yeah.
1: I also think there's a hard thing in what you do, where like by the necessity of the job, all actresses are in some ways
2: in competition with each other.
1: Yeah. And that's I think how women feel.
2: Well, I think anyway, you know, you, you, know. you know how unbelievably lucky you are if you get the part. Really, the competition is is huge. Yeah. Um. And even if it's not in that kind of way that everybody sort of says in this kind of divas having this bitch fight, Mm -hmm. you know, I think it, it is you can't not have that. And when yeah. that's your career and when that's how you're earning your living, you can't not kind of be standing there going, why didn't I get that? Or what should, you know, all of, yeah, all of that totally. kind of natural stuff. So I think, I think, yeah. And, and that was also an interesting thing that that was acknowledged yeah, and kind of gone. This is actually very difficult for all of us to come together because actually we are in massive competition yeah. with each other. And weirdly, I don't think I'd ever thought about it like that.
1: Because you you always try and hide it, don't you? You're like, I feel guilty. Yeah, you feel, I'm not talk yeah about it.
2: you feel guilty about it, yeah. and you kind of, and you don't, you don't necessarily, you know, that's the bit of yourself, that ambition, that kind of thing. That, mm. and again, being female, I think you can't admit to being ambitious. Yeah, Oh, because totally. that would be the worst thing ever, you know.
1: No, that's my biggest problem is ambition. Do you think you're very ambitious?
2: I don't know. I still can't. I think I've got a funny relationship with it all, where I'm very ambitious and completely and am- Well, I guess I'm completely ambivalent. I think I have a real love-hate, you know, depending depending on the moment in the, the day. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I definitely have my moments, but I equally have moments where I'm just literally like, I just don't care at well, all. Well, that's
1: also hard because you have the ambitious moments and you agree to do a million things, and then you have the moments where you don't want to do any of
2: them. You've just summed up my life. Yeah. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> Horrible. Yeah. Like, so just trick aside. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I oh, know, and stick to it.
1: Trick aside. <laughs> um, do you think, how do you... You're, I feel like the roles you've taken on have changed over the last years, which makes sense yep. for someone who grows up. Yep. But how do you now kind of evaluate and pick your roles and the women you want to portray? What's important to you?
2: It, it's literally just what I'm interested in, and it changes. um So, I mean, I think I'm trying. I've suddenly completely forgotten every what single film I've done. In? Yeah, <laughs> what have I been Can doing? Just
1: bring up my IMDb. Yeah, exactly. I <laughs> know. Oh, wait a minute.
2: I'll have to check. Um, I do stories that interest me and people that interest me. I mean, that's basically... And weirdly, you know, quite a lot of the time, the things that I make aren't necessarily the things that I would choose to watch. And then sometimes they are. And I think kind of they're coming closer to what I'd choose to watch. I like to watch things that move me. Mm -hmm. um, And I like to be moved or challenged in some way. Yeah, Um, And... All I can think is that I just did the Nutcracker, and that's didn't not moving or challenging, you know. Well, me, kind of, you know,
1: but different. <laughs> me and Sasha went to see the Nutcracker in the middle of the day. The weekend it came out, and I've, we've never loved film more. Oh my god! Okay, great. We talk about it constantly. Amazing, amazing, it was so Thanks. good. Thanks to
2: both of you. Also, that is um, my
1: most style. Well, actually, I was going to say
2: day. this yeah. is pink, pink, pink. So this is completely exactly. you. It's an amazing film. Thanks, um, <laughs> great. But not maybe not challenging, you know. Uh, there was some c- moments, c- certain you know. ways, yeah, sure, you can go there. Um, but no, I I think I want I want things that make me think, and I want things that challenge me creatively. I'm sort of, you know, I'm I'm I kind of I don't think you're ever doing the right thing unless there's a really big chance of failure. Interesting. So I yeah. quite like walking that edge.
1: And also, I guess if you've been doing it so long, it must just get
2: you want to update it a bit. You want to update it, but also you just you've got to keep yourself interested mm. otherwise I don't know why anybody else would be interested you know yeah I'm wrong though because obviously the major movie stars do they have a thing and they do the same thing, thing.
1: yeah no but I completely get that and I also think it's very much like a sort of ambitious schoolgirl girl which I have to everything as well where I'm like I don't know why I'm pushing myself so hard but I
2: but I need to. Yeah, yeah I know. Otherwise I it doesn't scratch the
1: itch. Just loving that sort of self-challenge. And,
2: yeah, but and then that's how I see it. But probably everybody watching it goes, oh, it's just another period film. So that's no, actually not a challenge, yeah, but I don't know. Definitely, <laughs> not.
1: definitely not. I think every single thing you do evolves. And I also think you're really good at picking things that... I mean, the challenging and moving thing is very apt because it's not like you're only in these obscure films that are horrible to watch. I think there's also got to be something about a film where you Where you actually enjoy it. Enjoy and it. Love yes. it and it reflects sort of your emotions. Yes. Um okay, now on to actual Feminist don't Wear Pink things. Yes. Uh you wrote this piece for Feminist not Wear Pink Yes. Which I don't know if anyone heard of. It wasn't like anyone talked about it or anything. No. <laughs> um when you so I asked you and I was quite scared to ask you um, Were you? And, yeah. Were you? Oh. I, I was get to ask everyone. I just always think everyone okay. Everyone's going to say no.
2: Yeah. Did anyone say no?
1: Yes. Did they? Yes. You got a lot I'll of yeses though. Okay, tell right me after afterwards. Yeah. yeah. And we used to say like, how did you pick the people in the book? And I was like...
2: The um, ones that half, said yes. The ones that said yes. I was like, half, <laughs> half
1: people said no. Um. But yeah, no, it was very <laughs> artfully picklist. list. Good. Um, I was shocked by your piece when you sent it to me. And you sent it yes. to me like very soon after we wrote it because sort of this amazing... That compared to now, everyone else, everyone else fired really late, and
2: I felt like it was very late. That's my personality, yeah, no, that's though, isn't you it? definitely.
1: Yeah. Uh, most one of the first reason I was shot was because it was just the most beautiful piece of writing ever. And I think you're so ridiculously talented at writing, and apparently, you're also good at art, which is just unfair. Thanks. <laughs> um, but it was also very raw and real and sort of angry as well. Yeah, what made you want to write it, and did you know that was in you before it came out?
2: Um, oh yeah. I always knew it was in me. Um, (laughs) It unfortunately comes to the surface quite a lot with my poor husband who has to deal (laughs) with it. Um, yeah, no, I knew it was in me. Um, what made me, I was trying not to write that. I was trying to write something else. I was trying to write actually more about, I thought, you know, bend it like Beckham makes sense and the kind of yes. uh, women's football. And um, I was trying to sort of do it. What you said from, at the beginning of this, if like,
1: kind you of. I didn't
2: know weren't meant to football. Yeah, women. exactly. Yeah. I think I was trying to, I was trying to do that. And I kept on trying and it was just not very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and then I thought, actually, I knew that I was sort of um, tr- trying not to write something. And I thought, I've just got to get this out. So I'm just going to yeah. vomit something out. And it was a vomit. I really enjoyed writing it. It was just kind of like a blat splurge, and I tried not to send Almost it to you. Almost like giving birth. Almost like giving birth. Yeah, doesn't go that quick. <laughs> <laughs> um, As an adult, yeah, can't speak. That uh, well. no, um, and then I just sort of thought, fuck it, I'll send it to her and see. Yeah. And then what I'd forgotten is that you'd said that you were aiming it at a younger audience no but
1: this you've said that before no i know and i thought your
2: response was brilliant because then i sent it to you and i thought and and about a day later i was like oh my god (laughs) this is the most inappropriate thing i cannot believe i have sent this to her what the fuck and i sent you the apology email going i'm so sorry i'm so sorry i've just read it's for 14 year olds and you sent a brilliant response which was something i can't i can't remember can't quote it completely properly but you said it was 14 year olds um are watching hardcore porn i think they should know about birth
1: yes i do remember saying that which is true which is true and, and i
2: thought that's completely true and i thought okay well it's you might so funny it
1: i was reading this poem by a poet in like the 1900s who wrote about childbirth um and at the time it was considered this kind of huge scandal that yeah. a woman would write about childbirth from a wiffy perspective and the good sides of it and the bad sides of it and it's so insane because that was over 100 years ago and I still feel like I have never properly been talked about childbirth in the way that you wrote about it in your piece and in a world well, where we talk about... Well, my mum
2: also had... Her second play was about childbirth and it got turned down and she was told wow. that it was disgusting. Wow. And she's never let anyone disgusting. read it. Disgusting. Yeah, the way she, that we're all born. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she was... Uh, and I've never read it and nobody's ever read it and she destroyed the only copy of it. So I knew that that, that had also been yeah. in me. I knew that in the 80s it was also seen as a complete taboo, which is a point where you go, okay, actually, you know... Well, no, I suppose that was exactly when second wave feminism was kind of... I mean, the eighties were taking yeah. over, so I guess maybe that makes sense. Um, but I'd grown up knowing that that the play about birth that she'd wanted to put on had been—I mean, more than completely rejected. I mean, it'd been completely like laughed, at. G- laughed at, but also anger. Wow. Like there'd been major anger. It was—it was a big uh, West End producer who'd asked for her second play, and uh, and it had been completely, you know. So I—I I also had that, and I mm. thought it's interesting because in when I gave birth in two thousand fifteen. And although I'm sure there are there is writing about birth mm. from the female perspective, it's not. Within mainstream culture, well,
1: exactly. That's the thing, and obviously, there's so many women that have written about it, but it's never ever put forward. Men never read it. Young girls never read it. Yeah. Young boys never read it. Or yeah. look at it, or see it. You know, yeah. we see like a film, someone squeezing their eyes and holding someone's hand, and then yeah, having a lovely baby. But also a
2: film, a lot from the male perspective of being like, oh, how am I going to deal Ooh, with growing like bedside, up and yeah, yeah, and fatherhood, and oh, now I can't be the child. You don't <laughs> actually get it from <laughs> from the I woman know. who's doing it. I know. You know? Um, Even
1: just the fact we don't associate women with men life crises.
2: Well no well, or just just the whole maternal experience yeah. is largely not in film or television or Do you think you,
1: know, you weren't prepared for what it was gonna be like birth and motherhood?
2: I was one hundred percent not prepared. Yeah. So interesting. I mean again, I think actually if you search so if you if you go to um there is actually really interesting writing about motherhood mm. that isn't the kind of uh the parental kind of help books yeah. that is actually if you if you go to um philosophy or if you go to academia or family then like, yeah or family then which, actually yeah. it, it is it is actually there but but i think in that way where you think well half it's something that most of half the population experience yeah. and because what you get in mainstream culture is I'm so completely fulfilled. I'm able to do absolutely everything. My body just went back to normal within five seconds. And I look amazing. And look at this cute baby. And, you know, I'm just on cloud nine because that's all you get. You don't I don't think you quite realize how much that sinks into your psyche, even if you're not somebody that particularly looks at that kind of stuff. Just the fact that that's what our mass culture no, it is. completely
1: does, and I even get it when I think about like not having kids, yeah, and immediately a voice switches on in my head, which is like,
2: you won't be a full
1: person, and you won't, you yeah. know,
2: it's yeah, so it's it's drummed in, odd. it's absolutely drummed in.
1: Do you think once you had your daughter and once, and you were kind of finding it hard, do you think you felt a lot of shame around of course. those feelings?
2: Shame and guilt literally comes out with the child. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And I don't <laughs> know what the percent is made of actually. Yeah,
2: I mean I think it actually might be. Yeah. Um, you know, I I think the guilt thing is super interesting cuz I again I don't know whether it's hormonal, I think must mm. and and probably there's writing about this and I just don't know about it. But but um but the instant guilt about absolutely everything Mm. and again I haven't met a mother who's not expressed that not felt that way I mean there may be many who's I mean obviously everybody's experience is different different but but the levels of guilt and shame about not feeling like you're on cloud nine and not feeling like you can cope and not feeling you know 100% just brilliant and fulfilled Mm. yeah you you think you're failing. You think that you're the weird... I mean, again, you go back, it's my fault. It's everyone else is fine and, and i'm not fine wrong. and i should and i've got this beautiful healthy gorgeous baby and actually my body's producing milk and it's all fine and it could be worse and it could be worse and therefore developing why am i feeling exactly yet. or i mean or just down the street and for some reason my milk doesn't come through yeah. or for some reason my baby is ill or whatever and that's not what's happened so you equally pile on the guilt because you're feeling like you can't cope but you should be able to cope because everything's actually fine and everyone else cooks. and everyone else coats you know so i think the level of kind of the levels of of shame and guilt that are kind of just sewn up within it. And I think a lot of it, I, I do think a lot of it's hormonal. I think a lot of it is cultural though. Yeah. And that's sort of where I've got the problem with it.
1: I think a huge amount of it's cultural because I think, say that we feel that guilt and shame, if we knew that was going to happen, you know, no one, I always talk about mental illness, I'm like half of it's the illness and the hormones and the brain chemistry and whatever. Mm. And the other half is the shame. And if you can take away that shame, mm. Things get better, and I think yeah. it's the same with motherhood or with anything, yeah. any position that's kind of hard. Yeah, I think so. Did you mourn your
2: time before you had kids? Yeah, do you think? I think actually looking at it now, I realized that actually what what a lot of my sense of 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 not being able to cope or or actually or whatever that was was actually a period of mourning for Mm. my my life before and that you feel so guilty about that yeah I mean so guilty about that that's the thing you're not meant to say it's absolutely the thing you're not meant to say but I think it's a completely natural process of early motherhood Mm. is is that mourning process of of not just the life but the person that you were before because the person utterly changes as well Um, and your
1: brain is never gonna be the same as well
2: because no your brain your body your yeah. life your relationship you know your the, or your vagina <laughs> it's definitely your vagina um the whole than. and definitely your boobs and they really oh don't tell gosh. you that but my goodness um but i i think i think that and actually it's super interesting that that kind of that mourning process and i don't think it's negative i think that it, it's just that we have to be allowed to feel well, what we feel that happens
1: you know yeah, people get it when they leave university. People get it when they, yeah. you know, move countries. Yeah, like, I think absolutely. We don't talk about motherhood. as just the biggest
2: change life that you could that no. can possibly happen. And I think what's funny is, again, you do talk about it with men.
1: Yes, hugely. Men have hugely. you can absolutely oh
2: say with they're men on and, a road
1: trip. Yeah, they've they, gone. Oh, wait, they can't. They're not yeah. coping.
2: They haven't bonded with the it's baby a story until the baby's that we two. Know.
1: Absolutely, and we don't know the story of motherhood. No, except. Well, it's too terrifying, I think. And also,
2: yeah, and also, I think because every mother thinks that people will think that it means that they don't love their child, Mm. and you're like, this has nothing to do with the child. This is actually entirely to do with you yourself, your life. And I think again, it's the taboo of going, you are still you. You do still want to feel like you and a singular have an identity that is something separate to motherhood
1: and i sometimes think when we criticize the whole like body bounce back thing obviously it's framed by the media as horrible but there's also something in it which is women wanting to feel to like themselves feel again like themselves like, i think that's very that's true that's not yeah that's not that insane no it's know, not It's like, i want, want to look down and, and actually
2: recognize what i see when i look down yeah it's my belly it's the belly button but that we always don't gets talk me. about that we talk about it just like it's this like Aesthetic kind of no, thing. But I think a lot of times with women's body image it's put down to um I, I don't know, this funny kind of aesthetic I think Yeah. It's actually much deeper than that. And it's not actually about I just want to look good because I you know, I want to fit in these nice clothes and I, and want, I want to, boys to fancy And me I yeah. want boys to yeah. fancy me. You know, I think it's much more about how you view yourself and I mean the comfort in your own skin and Mm. and you kind of you look at again the whole process of being pregnant and the process of giving birth and the changes that happen to the body and so unbelievably quickly you know the mind actually can't keep up so you're yeah. kind of you just keep look, you look in the mirror and you're just like okay this isn't just me going oh, i can't fit in my jeans or this is actually me going i literally do not recognize the person who is staring back at me from wow. one week to the other and that does actually it does have an effect that mm. i think we nullify by going oh you just you know you're just vain but actually it's so much more and than i that. think
1: any time i've been through body issues i haven't wanted to talk about it because i think it will make me sound stupid yeah. or silly and care, to make people think i care about the things. that I don't care about. And actually, I think you're right. It's so much more intense than that.
2: Well, it's the same, do you know? And I mean, this is a different thing, but it's it's the same as makeup. I'm super interested with makeup because again, you know, my daughter who is four, loves nothing more than I've got a drawer with makeup in it mm. and she loves getting into it and she's always like will you put my lipstick or will you put eye makeup I on me I was the same I always say makeup and, was my first true love well, there you go I mean and it's but and I thought well this is so interesting because this is the the beginning of her wanting to express something and it has Obviously, she's four. It has nothing to do with a guy. It has much more to do with me. She sees me putting on makeup. She wants to be like mummy. She wants to be a big girl. She wants to, you know, express herself. And also, Mm. they're great colours. So she just wants the joy of, like, paint. Yeah. And being able to use your face as some sort of weird canvas. And I thought it was the first time watching her do this. I was like, that whole argument about, I'm just putting this on my face for a man. No. I mean, it's so wrong. If I had,
1: bright Pink and orange hair for a man, I'd be making a real mistake. Like, it's not working, <laughs> I have to say.
2: Well, they're idiots. Um,
1: no, I just, yeah, I think it's totally. And I also think there's so little we can change. Sometimes, as women, you can feel like there's nothing you can change. Yeah. And your makeup is one of them. One of and them. your hair is one of them. Yeah. And it's quite fun. Yeah. Okay, so if we're talking about people not talking about birth, mm-hmm. It may have been proved by the fact that when this essay came out, the whole world kind of exploded um, with shock and awe. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, the fact that a woman writing about birth is even enough to make noise tells you, or make news, tells you, I think, more about the world than anything. But were you shocked by that reaction or at this stage, you kind of expecting it?
2: I'm always shocked and not shocked at the same time. Mm. I mean, yeah, I was shocked. I sort of thought, and this is no offence to you at all, but I sort of thought nobody will really know. I was in the middle of a book. It's like nobody will really like, I don't know, nobody will notice it. And maybe if they do, then actually it was totally like my 15 year old self would read that and be like yeah and maybe pin it on a wall and maybe kind of look at it and i don't know feel quite yeah. strong and empowered by it which is how everyone felt when so, they read it well that's good you know so so i kind of hoped for that i mean the amount I, of before I did we said it was that, a little shocking the amount
1: of people that come up to me every single day and say that it your piece specifically helped them in some way oh, or good. made them realize something and especially well, men good. as well sort of saying
2: well the, i had no idea and i read it
1: before my wife gave birth and i read it oh, and well. so
2: well, there you go. Well, it's that was just, the point. So yeah. that's that's amazing, you know. Um, I mean, I did know that it was shocking. Um, or shocking. I knew that it would shock. Mm. I don't think I completely anticipated it being such a big thing but then that was probably stupid because I had mentioned Kate Middleton in it so I think that was kind of what was used to kind of bring it out yeah which yeah. and I did think about you know cutting that bit of it but it was just so much part of my birth because literally it happened the day after you know I was standing in the hospital watching it on TV so I think I just connected to that in such a completely mm. different way than I would have at any other point even possibly a week later mm. you know I just wouldn't have have connected to that in the same way it's funny
1: how the TV you watch in hospital means that I watched a Robert Downey Jr. film once in a hospital and I, now every time I look at him, I basically have a panic attack. Like, oh, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Wow. Um, so, but Does so the film warrant writing... it? No. Or is it So it's entirely films. Oh, right. <laughs> okay. Absolutely not worth it. But I think the fascinating thing for me about that, and obviously not so nice for you, but for me it was kind of amazing, was that you proved the point of your piece, which well, is the piece was saying
2: you know women shouldn't be in competition
1: with each yeah. other and
2: that's what and they and that's did. exactly what they try to do no I, I mean in a way i w- i was the same as you i was like well that kind of just yeah. proved it then didn't it i mean which was sort of fascinating You've in itself it. cuz you go okay i th- <laughs> okay
1: how can you not have understood Stood, the how point? could you
2: turn that around yeah. to mean literally the, the opposite. opposite and again i just I struggle to believe that anybody who really read that really didn't understand it because it's quite clear but but maybe they didn't hey maybe they didn't um but you know yeah it was it was a fascinating it was fascinating and I think it also you
1: know sometimes and I think because feminism is so is so like talked about now and you do sometimes get people saying like well why do we still need this and what's still going on and I do think that moment, as sort of mad as it was, was really like, well, look what happens. Like, yeah. you know, a woman talks about one of the most natural things that we can do, and it's enough to make, like, headline news. Yeah. And she talks about not being pissed against other women, and she is constantly. And
2: yeah. I think it well, was... Well, so that, that can be the only narrative. The only narrative in this yeah. is that she's dissing somebody, another woman. Oh, yeah, no, woman. they couldn't have said, you know... You know empathy <laughs> shows shows yeah. empathy at having to stand out in oh, front of a load Keanu of photographers <laughs> yeah. you know um no I mean so and I think you know that when you and again when you look at you know the history of 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 any woman in any paper that's that's being written about it's always from this perspective that she is either hating another woman Mm. or putting another woman down or you know it's always actually that competitive aspect and as much as I admit that there is I mean not with that one but but that there is competition between women of course there is as there is competition between men it's a chicken
1: egg thing isn't it yeah absolutely
2: but there isn't only
1: no and the amount of money that has been made in both the news and reality tv and everything from women being competition with each yeah. other it makes you think they might want to keep it going. Yeah, know? well, yeah, absolutely. It's a good story. There's, there's
2: a good story there, yeah.
1: Um, so it's funny that we say all this because you are now with child. With child, As yep. Well. yep. Um, how, after all that, how are you feeling about having another one? Oh, you know, the same.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, um, how am I feeling? You know, it's going to be chaos. I feel like we're, I, me and James um, and and Edie are heading into the realms of total chaos we've been pretty much in chaos for the last four years and it's going to be even more chaotic more.
1: maybe it'll be um, like a little sage baby
2: that will I actually reduce I'm the I'm not chaos. sure I, like <laughs> I just don't think that's easy to make um, but yeah maybe uh no I, you know I feel the same I mean I think again what's what's interesting with this one is that within that conversation about birth people say that uh women have another baby because they forget the pain of childhood childbirth well you forget pain but you don't Oh,
1: interesting
2: yeah I mean I don't I haven't forgotten the birth and and actually by the way as much as I wrote quite my birth with Edie was incredibly straightforward it actually did not go wrong Mm. it was actually completely as far as birth goes quite a textbook birth Mm. um but I haven't forgotten it and I I'm not having my second baby because I've forgotten <laughs> what it's like with the first one. Oh,
0: silly, you me made the but same I mistake think, again. Isn't that kind
2: of fascinating yeah. though? That that's kind of that that's is the what's story, said yeah. about you know, that's that's why you do it. That's why you face that pain. That's yeah. why you face that potentially life and death experience that's why you face that hormonal change because you've forgotten women do not forget no one forgets and nobody forgets that and equally by the way however difficult or not difficult the birth was the sleeplessness and the hormones afterwards (laughs) really are a whole other and and you you don't don't forget forget that that. yeah you do it despite your body remembers like
1: yeah of course every day
2: but it's interesting isn't it because i think that's a strength of womanhood like we remember and we do it anyway yeah. because we want to have another child and we are completely aware the second time of what we're doing in the way that the first time you're not prepared for it you are the second yeah. time and you still choose to do it now it's either madness no, or-, <laughs> or, or insanity so right it's or like the most
1: brave strong thing yeah. ever no
2: and i don't think we're given credit for that man we kind of
1: choose to go back
2: you choose into, to... You
1: choose to go back choose and do it go again. Back, yeah. Do you think you do feel more prepared? No. <laughs> no. Um, maybe you'll be less shamed?
2: Maybe I'll be... Yes, I think that's true. I think that I'm aware of the... I'm aware of the process mm. and knowing it will be completely different. This pregnancy has been completely different from from my first pregnancy. So I'm sure the birth will be different and the kid will be different and mm. my experience... You know, it will all be different but I at least... I know what to expect you know, so I think even though I'm aware that I'm not quite sure what direction that's going to take me. And I think that's the kind of thing that you just can't anticipate. Mm. So it'll be an adventure.
1: How do you think you handle being a working mum?
2: And how have you managed it? Oh, that's the question. Um, I mean, it's chaos. Mm. (laughs) Uh, you always feel like you're failing somewhere, either whether it's at work or whether it's the kid, the guilt is extraordinary. Um, And yet we've got through, you know, Mm. I've actually done a lot of work since I had my daughter Um, and and actually I think the performances have been good, you know, I'm like, okay, they haven't, I haven't dropped the ball. So I think there is you know, I've pushed myself really hard, but um but they have been there and and I also have an unbelievably close, very loving relationship with my daughter. I mm. mean, I totally lose my shit with her occasionally <laughs> and she definitely loses it with me occasionally and there is nothing perfect in any of this. But you know, but but we go on. And I think again, you know, being the kind of the girl who the girl at school who was always trying to get the A star yeah. you realize being the woman who's trying to keep a career and trying to be the best mother that she can possibly be—that the A star is maybe not going to be possible. she just can't. But you can try and do your best. And there's a fact where I need to work. I need that part of myself. Yeah. I need to have it Otherwise, I wouldn't be me, and I wouldn't feel like mm. I could. You know, I, I just I I wouldn't be able to to be a stay at home mother all the time. Um. And there's part of me that feels guilt about that. What's, what's funny about that question is it's literally what I ask every single woman that I meet who is working. How do yeah. you do it? Just tell me how you do it. And I think that's because everybody feels like they're not doing it right.
1: Yeah. Um. Okay, last question. Yep. How do you feel about ageing? And are you
2: excited about it or feel challenged by it? Am I excited about How do I feel about ageing? Um... it's an it's an it's a really interesting one because you know I think I had a very specific view on it before I had any wrinkles, and it's amazing how it changes as soon it, yeah. as you do see the wrinkles on your forehead um i mean it's it's inevitable um yeah. I keep looking at women um you know I walk down the street and I see women with amazing gray hair and the lines on their face, and I think it's the story of their life, and I love it, and I feel like. Empowered by it, and I feel like that's what I want to be when I grow up. And then you know, I find the grey hairs in the back and of my hair really and think, "Oh my god, I'm going to so die!" It funny that um, isn't fetishized.
1: This yeah, like
2: this kind beautiful of beautiful grey haired woman, absolutely. And I have to say, my mum is one of them. She's got this long, amazing grey hair. Yeah. She's got lines in her face. I love every line on her face. I'm like, I think she's absolutely gorgeous. I had the pleasure of sitting next to Ali McGraw at a dinner. Oh, I mean, who unreal. is unreal? But then unreal. with that, I
1: also and you don't have to remember with that like she's the most beautiful woman so yeah. she looks great but she's like she looks amazing it, sometimes you're like maybe i will not look that good well that's true mold.
2: but you know i think it's equally it's it's all about change isn't it it's that you think that you know what your face is or your body is yeah. again and suddenly i again i don't think it's so much about vanity some of it's about vanity but you know i don't think it's all about vanity i think it's all about going wait i don't recognize but i don't look like that i'm gonna look like yeah. you know something else
1: and also it's the world
2: telling you that that's
1: important that it, you then internalize it yeah you know especially you you've been told
2: for well, the, the a way you look that
1: the way you look is and, yeah
2: and then key to the world again you look at images of women in the public and they don't have lines yeah, you know they don't exactly. have gray hair yeah they don't have so I think again as much as as you on a personal level can go no that's what I'm aiming for and that's what I want and that's what I love you can't help but but have everything else kind of you know some way seep through your skin um so i'm hoping that i will be the barefoot gray-haired lady with amazing lines and and you know um but if i don't then we'll see it doesn't matter it'll be something else
1: that's also a thing you get criticised if you age and you get christos i get very angry when people get judge people for having work done it's one of my worst things
2: Uh, i think Everybody has to deal with this culture that we're in and the way that you deal with it. And by the way, that goes for childbirth. If your childbirth thing is that you need to put makeup on and lipstick and... yeah and high heels straight afterwards and march out then that's the way that you deal with it and that's completely fine and equally with aging you know if if what you end up doing is work to your face because you really feel like that's the only way you're going to be happy 100 percent, do the work it's
1: like we, the culture tells you to do it and then the culture tells, tells that you, you not look to. like a plastic barbie and yeah so, well,
2: make your mind up <laughs> make your mind up It's <laughs> a good up. way to end
1: um Thank you for doing this, That's a even pleasure. though you're very pregnant. It's very hot. Thank you for writing your piece. And thank, thank you, you for, for be- being pineapple. Oh yeah, I brought so many different it's types of so pineapple. So like um, I should have also bought juice, and then it would have been all the forms. Oh, but I can juice it. I can juice it. it yeah. well. Goodbye. Bye. You have been listening to Feminists Don't Wear Pink, the podcast hosted by me, Scarlett Curtis. The book is available everywhere books are sold, and 10% of every copy goes to the UN charity Girl Up. It's also available as an ebook and audiobook, read partially by me, if you prefer to listen. If you liked this podcast, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps the podcast and it helps us reach people who might not think they're feminists. We'll be back next week with another amazing guest. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a feminist. Have a great day.
0: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer.